True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Walk the Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It's time for Bold Predictions. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Tuesday, April 5th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we'll get to all of those bold predictions. Try and figure out who each team's closer or closers are. And we'll save the general season predictions for Wednesday night. That'll be opening day eve. And tomorrow, of course, we do have our For the People Listener League draft. So that's... Basically the entire plan for the rest of the week. But first, we had another trade. It, it's kind of like spring training and hot stove combined right now. It's like teams are trying to figure out their rosters, but at the same time, they're making a bunch of moves. So the latest, Austin Meadows traded over to the Detroit Tigers in exchange for Isak Paredes and a competitive balance round B draft pick. I know Meadows was a mixed bag last season. Seems kind of like a light return. Maybe these guys have a different... Uh, feel for the situation. Last year was a weird year for Austin Meadows. I was all in, and I don't really know what to make of it. 234 batting average, 27 homers, 106 RBI, only four steals, completely sold out for power. There really wasn't much power. He led all qualified hitters in fly ball rate. Plate discipline was still pretty good, uh, but could not hit lefties. So, Scott, where are we on Austin Meadows now moving over to the Detroit Tigers? Well, I, I was, despite how bad last year was for him. I was making the case for him to be a bust in fantasy still. He had been in every version of my bust column. The thinking being, yeah, last year is genuinely what Austin Meadows is now, and I'm not sure the Rays are going to stick with that every day. Tigers is a different story. Tigers, I don't think, have as many choices, uh, especially, I mean, obviously they made this trade because Riley Green is unavailable for the start of the season. I suspect they're going to play Akil Badu in center. And uh, Austin Meadows and left. And then maybe when Green is ready to go, uh, maybe they'll be ready to move on from Miguel Cabrera at DH and, and stick Austin Meadows there. So, you know, I, from that perspective, I, I guess not in a way that's going to be reflected in my rankings, but I have a little more hope for, for Austin Meadows now just because I, I think the Abats are going to be there. But at the same time, I still think he's going to be pretty all-or-nothing hitter. Low batting average, low OBP, 
good power, but not like Joey Gallo good, you know? Yeah. But not Joey Gallo strikeouts either. No, but the batting average is going to suck unless unless he lowers his launch angle. I mean, if he's in which case he'll probably have fewer home runs. So, you know, there's there's going to be a bit of trade off there. I, I think what happened with Austin Meadows is he was a perfect example of a play. And, and, and obviously 2019, two years ago, we were thinking of him as a stud in fantasy. That was when the ball was at its juiciest. Last year, the ball was deadened. His approach of selling out so hard for power didn't pay off the same way because not a high enough percentage of those fly balls were leaving the yard. So that's that's where I think with I, that's where I think Meadows is as a player. You mentioned the light return, Frank. I mean, I think Meadows is pretty marginal in fantasy now. I think he's even worse in real life because he's on top of those issues at the plate. He's not a good defender. Um, I mean, it, it's not a marginal return when you consider that they're going to save three point five million dollars, which sure. is a significant part of the thought process here for the Rays, undoubtedly. Right. Right. No, I'm not blaming the Rays for doing this. I'm, I'm explaining why the Rays are doing this. Yeah. I mean, it's Meadow, a- Meadows is, Med, you might, I think fantasy players think of Meadows as a bigger deal than real life teams do. Yeah. I, I definitely did heading into last year. Um, I thought 2019 was more of the player that Austin Meadows was, but now we have data since the start of the short in 2020 where Meadows has completely sold out for power, fly ball rates through the roof. And this is what happens when, you try to sell out for power, and you just don't have enough of it. You're batting average one, craters, you're bad craters, and this is the result. One thing I will say is, for his career, he's got a 192 ISO at home versus a, gosh, 267 mark on the road. Now, he doesn't have nearly the same kind of splits that Willie Adamas had between uh, Tropicana Field and otherwise, because Willie, Willie Adamas was worse at everything at Tropicana Field. He couldn't hit there legitimately. <clears throat> uh, Austin Meadows, his strikeout rate is very similar on the road. His batting average is actually significantly worse, although that's mostly Babbitt. But he has a hit for significantly more power on the road. And so, uh, you know, it's fair to wonder if there's something similar going on there. I think the Willie Adamas trade is going to leave that question in my mind for everyone who gets traded away from the Rays. And, you know, hope. Hopefully, the Willie Adamas trade will also potentially disabuse us of the notion that the Rays just deserve credit for every single trade they make. They're a very well-run organization, but they can also, you know, make mistakes. And I think that's probably, I don't know if that's a mistake, but clearly the, the default was probably Willie Adamas was nothing when they traded him away, similar to Austin Meadows. So I'm, I'm not quite ready. There are still things in Austin Meadows' profile, like his plate discipline is... Anywhere from slightly above average to pretty good uh, when you look at the underlying components, the chase rate, the whiff rate, like everything is pretty decent, if not pretty good. The max exit velo is 73, 73rd percentile compared to like a 32% hard hit rate. So I do wonder if there's not room for him to have better results on balls in play than he's had the last two seasons in particular, in which case, you know, maybe those results at Tropicana where he hasn't hit for nearly as good power. Maybe that's part of it, but I'm, I can't say I'm moving Austin Meadows up. It's not a good place to hit in Detroit either. So, although I, you know, I don't think he's going to have like the same issues Nick Castellanos did where he, you know, has Austin Meadows does not have that same all fields approach that Nick Castellanos does. Austin Meadows is a dead pull hitter. 
But it's right um, center that's so imposing in, yeah. in Detroit. So that But if you look at his spray chart, he has a lot of doubles in the right center area as well in, in Tropicana. So Yeah. All I'm saying is I, I I'm not as down on him. I'm not high on him. I don't know if I've drafted Austin Meadows at all this season, but hmm. there's a chance he's better than he was last season, I would say. Last point on Austin Meadows. According to Baseball Savant's Park Factors, they use three-year rolling averages. This is actually a park upgrade for Austin Meadows. So, mm-hmm. could help. Let's see what happens with him. Uh, I think the more exciting part of this trade is what happens next for the Tampa Bay Rays. This seemingly leaves an outfield spot open for one of Josh Lowe or Vidal Brujan. They're both rostered in less than 20% of CBS leagues. There's also a very deep sleeper that I'll let Chris get to in just a little bit. Uh, but Scott... Do you have any lean here when it comes to a Josh Lowe versus Vidal Brujan in the Rays outfield? Well, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, either would be more exciting, I think, than um, I'm not saying either deserve to be ahead of, drafted ahead of Austin Meadows, but I could get more excited about them because they have steals potential. Uh, Josh Brujan has huge steals potential. Josh Lowe is more of a power speed combo guy, and we did. Here, Neil Salons, a pregame and postgame broadcaster for the Rose, tweeted that he's hearing Josh Lowe would will be called up for opening day. So uh, that's the most we have to go on right now. I have no reason to doubt him. Uh, in, in which case, Josh Lowe probably needs to be rostered in all rotisserie leagues, all five outfielder leagues. He's not up there with you know, like Julio Rodriguez or Joe Adele or anybody like that. He's not quite that caliber of prospect. I'm not totally confident his transition to the majors is going to go smoothly. His strikeout rates were a little on the high side in the minors, and and obviously it's a tough transition to the majors. But anybody who puts up the kind of numbers he did at AAA last uh, last year, 22 home runs, 26 stolen bases, of course deserves some attention in fantasy. Yep. And both yeah, guys. He, he did have like a 28% or like actually close to a 30% strikeout rate against lefties in AAA last season. He had an okay 762 OPS against them, but yeah, 48 divided by 155, 31% strikeout rate against lefties. So could be some platoon issues as well there. And this is the Rays. Rays love to, yeah. Well, it would not be a surprise if the Rays sat there, you know, prized 20 four-year-old outfielder against lefties. So it's, it's, a, it's a good concern for sure, but someone to be interested in fantasy. Chris, I know you have a deep sleeper you wanted to mention. Oh, not, not re- I mean, Harold Ramirez. I, <laughs> I, I remain intrigued by Harold Ramirez. There have been stretches of his career where he's been decent and there are underlying things in his batted ball profile that I think are interesting. He hits the ball fairly hard, but and it would be very raised for Harold Ramirez to ultimately be the one to benefit from this when they've got all these big names we're excited for. But no, I don't actually expect Harold Ramirez to to be a big part of there. But look, look, look. He had a 16% strikeout rate last season and 81% hard hit rate, 81st percentile hard hit rate. I think there's something there. I don't actually know if Harold Ramirez is any good, but I wouldn't be totally opposed to him getting some playing time. Sure. Chris, your Twitter account has blurred the lines of satire and reality for me. So half the time, I don't know if sure. what you're tweeting is how you really feel or if it's just 
Yeah, I'm just throwing this out there. So I mean, look, we <laughs> all have our guys, right? We all have our guys who like, I don't know if this guy's good, but I would be interested in seeing him play every day. Gio Urshela was actually one of those guys for me way back. He, he used to be like in the in the Guardians uh, minor league system at one point, right? And I, I remember yeah. being somewhat interested in him. So we all have those guys. Those guys rarely ever work out. But Harold Ramirez is one of those guys for me where like, I'll draft him in a 15-team league that goes 30 rounds, maybe. So the deepest of leagues, Harold Ramirez, and of course, again, Josh Lowe, if you play in any five outfielder leagues, even 10, 12-team yeah. roto leagues, he's the name that you probably should be adding again. He is 15% rostered in CBS leagues. Let's get into bold predictions. Bold predictions are sometimes tough for me because you want to make them bold enough but at the same time, you want an outside chance of actually hitting on your bold predictions. Speaking of which, we published an article, I, I guess Chris actually published the article, where we gave out five bold predictions last season, and we each hit on one of them. Uh, Scott had Nick Castellanos returning second round value. He was 18th overall in Roto. Chris, you said that Shohei Otani would be a top 50 hitter and a top 50 pitcher. You hit on that. Rysel Iglesias... I kind of hit on this. It was like a half and half. I'm giving myself credit for it regardless. I said that he would lead baseball in saves, but I also wrote that he would be a top three relief pitcher in both head-to-head points in Roto. That was true. He didn't lead baseball in saves, but he was awesome regardless. So with that being said, let's get into bold predictions. I feel like I hit on more than just one. You had... I know I, I rattled off like a dozen on the podcast last year. (laughs) Yeah, we're not counting that. We're counting the ones in the article. We're only counting the ones in print. I think, well, I, I remember one of mine was... Anthony Bass won't have even two saves for the Marlins, and he ended up with zero <laughs> saves. So I know that was one I got right, at least on the podcast version. Nice. Because at the time, he was, oh, Anthony Bass, he's going to be Marlins closer. And I was like, yeah, right. That guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, you had Byron Buxton as a top 25 hitter in Roto, and I oh, mean, yeah. he was certainly trending We're that counting way. that one. That's a win. Mm, That's a dub. Yeah. <laughs> count that one. Put it on the board. You can put it on the board. All right, let's get into bold predictions, and we will start with Chris. Give me your first one. Oh, hold on. Let me pull up that 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 text. Oh, okay. Yeah, easy one. Byron Buxton's the American League MVP. All right. For the brand, I baby. I don't feel like I need to explain this one. Um, he was the best player in baseball on a per-game basis last season. I haven't actually like looked to check that one up, but the vibes fit for sure. He felt like the best player in baseball last season. 4.5 wins above replacement over 61 games. That That's pretty good. Um, I don't expect him to put up 1,005 OPS again, but it's within the realm of possibility. I'm not going to downplay the upside for Byron Buxton. He's an elite base runner. He's an elite defender. He's potentially a very, very good hitter who could hit 35 homers and steal 20 bases. Byron Buxton has the potential to be not just a difference maker in fantasy, although obviously that's why you all are here and subscribed and watching on youtube.com slash fantasy baseball today or listening to the fantasy baseball today podcast. But also he's just one of the best players in baseball when he's healthy. And I'm trying to put as many positive vibes in the world for Byron Buxton to stay healthy because there is not a player that I like watching more at this point. I want him on my fantasy team. I want him on MLB TV every night. Byron Buxton. Superstar. Although you you want to put positive vibes out for Byron Buxton so that he stays healthy, it it sounds like a consequence of this bold prediction is that Shohei Otani wouldn't be staying healthy. Well, I don't see no, that. I mean Byron Buxton. 
Byron Buxton has a 1485 OPS in spring training. I mean, if he does that and plays <laughs> gold club defense, that's better than Shohei Otani. OPS, okay. You know, if he slugs a yeah, thousand this season, yeah, fourteen. Uh, you know, yeah. just, you know, all all fairness to Shohei Otani, but <laughs> I feel no, like yes. if Shohei Otani continues to do what he did last year, it's just like give him the MVP every, give him all the MVPs because. Like yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's yes. just no substitute for that. Yes. Also, if Mike Trout has a normal Mike Trout season, it's really hard to not give it to him. Yeah, like there's there's a lot of good players <laughs> in baseball. If Byron Buxton finishes second in AL MVP voting because Shohei Otani hits another 40 home runs and throws 150 innings of well above average ball, you know what? I'm going to count that as a W. <laughs> for our betting audience out there, you guys are right. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout along with Vladimir Guerrero, are the three names that are head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of MVP odds in the American League. And then you get into like Aaron Judge. Wander Franco is top five for AL MVP, which is just that bananas yeah. to me. Uh, but if you like Byron Buxton as much as Chris does, plus 3,500 if you want to get in on that. Scott, yeah, I prediction. couldn't find that one on Caesars. I was looking for it. I, you know, I, I couldn't find MVP odds. I mean, I'm looking them up. Because I did put, I, I, I have to say, I put a little bit on Mike Trout to lead the American League in home runs. Hmm. Uh, but I couldn't find the, I was, I was, cause I was looking for Byron Buxton, AL MVP odds. Yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere lie. either. I, I'm looking at just VegasInsider.com <laughs> right now, but I couldn't find it anywhere where you could actually bet. Scott, bold prediction number one. So this is in the same vein as that uh, Anthony Bass prediction from last year. Not quite as aggressive, but I am going to say Jake McGee doesn't get more than five saves Ooh. for the Giants this year. Spicy. Hmm. I don't believe Gabe Kapler means what he says when he uses closer. I was going to, yeah, closer. When he, when he calls somebody a closer, I don't think he believes in that term. I think he just throws it out there because that's what he wants. That's what his audience wants to hear. And if I know Gabe Kapler, and I think I do, he is not going to use his one high leverage lefty. He's not going to preserve him for the ninth inning. He says he followed that comment about McGee by saying, we have three guys capable of closing. The only one of those three, the only lefty of those three is McGee. He's going to deploy him situationally sooner than later. I'm not saying McGee's not going to get a save on opening day. I'm giving him five over the course of the season. But I think sooner than later, one of the righties, presumably Camilo Duvall, but you know, if it's Tyler Rogers, fine. It's Tyler Rogers. It's not going to be McGee. I guess my counter Scott would be that the bullpen construction was pretty similar last season and he was okay saving Jake McGee for the ninth inning. Well, Camilo Duvall didn't show up until the end of the season. And what happened? He became the closer. He did. He did. I mean, uh, I drafted Jake McGee in my main event, so I'm kind of hoping your pull prediction is wrong here, Scott. Uh, <laughs> well, but that's, that's what I'm warning people, last second drafters yeah. out there. I keep seeing McGee get go higher and higher, and I'm like, uh, yeah, you guys are really going to get faked out by Gabe Kapler again? When's the last time the person he hinted at being the closer was actually the closer? Yeah, but like, it is worth noting that Camilo Duvall's career didn't start with his most recent 27 innings. He was... Yes, Chris. not that I, good in the minors. Like he had a 5.1 walks per nine in, the, in his minor league career. And that was seven in triple a last season. He had a five ERA in triple a. Yes, he was, his stuff looked really good and he was really good for 27 innings last season. It was the first time in his career that he's thrown strikes. He's had home run issues in the minors. Like I'm just saying 
I feel more confident that Jake McGee's a good major league pitcher. I feel very confident that Jake McGee's a good major league pitcher. I don't know if Camilo Duvall is. And I, d- I don't disagree with that. But there's only one guy, right? And like it, it, would, it would take a lot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I, I just, I, I'm just I, saying I, I Tyler like Rogers I, is the guy. Oh, I feel like we're just confusing people at this point. I think it's going yeah. to be a very fluid situation. Last year, the Giants had eight different relievers with a save. Jake McGee led them with 31 saves, but they also had 85 save opportunities as a team. That was the most in baseball. Mm-hmm. So it seems like McGee had a lot of saves. He did. That was 31 of 56 saves that they had as a team. Just 55%. So keep that in mind. Like, I, I think it's pretty fluid. You know, maybe it turns out each of him and Doval have 20 plus saves. Like, we just don't know. But overall, Yes, I think things will still continue to be likely frustrating, uh, regardless of who Gabe Kapler goes with. My first bold prediction I wanted to mention, Lourdes Gurriel finishes as the most valuable hitter on the Blue Jays this season. Now, there's a lot going on here because not only does he have to outperform two first-round caliber players and a likely third or fourth rounder in Teoscar Hernandez, Gurriel would have to play to a level that we just haven't seen him play to yet. So his 162 game home run pace is 29 for his career. He does hit too many ground balls. If he tweaks the launch angle a little bit, hits 35 plus homers. He makes a lot of contact. I think that could lead to a good batting average. Uh, If he hits something like 300 with 35 homers and, you know, he's chipped in steals here and there with like eight to 10 steals. I think there's a chance that this actually happens. So... It's bold. It's very bold. But that is the boldest prediction so far. <laughs> I don't believe you believe it. I think it's possible. I, th- I <laughs> do think it's possible. to believe it. Hey, you know, th- we that's only, why they're bold we, predictions. We're specifying only one of these bold predictions that we truly but, believe. But if the X, ex- let's, and this isn't the exercise, but let's pretend the exercise is you have to convince us you actually believe your bold prediction. I am unconvinced. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that needs to happen. <laughs> Again, like, <laughs> I, look, regression for Vladimir Guerrero, regression for Bo Bichette. Honestly, if you look at just what Teoscar Hernandez did last year, which was a very, very valuable season, I think he hit you know, close to 290, a lot of counting stats. That's where it really helped him. If Guerrero can do what Teoscar Hernandez did mm-hmm. and those other guys just take a little bit of a step back, I mean, Teoscar Hernandez was a top 10 player overall in Roto last season. So if Guerrero can get there, this is doable. It's actually doable, Scott. Don't sleep on it. Don't sleep on Lourdes Gurriel. I hope I convince you just an ounce. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'll need to change. If, if Lourdes Gurriel ends up being the best player on the Blue Jays, I'll need to change my World Series pick for sure. But, Scott, if I said last year going into the season that Teoscar Hernandez would finish as a top 12 player, you would have laughed me off the podcast. So I'm just saying. It's possible. Fair enough. Fair enough. Chris, let's get into bold prediction number two. Yeah, so I wrote uh, a piece last week on CBSSports.com. Um, who could be this year's Cedric Mullins? And the, the, the idea is every year, this was based on a Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ. Uh, from 2015, one player per year has put up first round value from the 12th round or later in 15 team leagues. Dallas Keuchel, Jonathan VR, Aaron Judge, Blake Snell, Cattell Marte, Luke Voigt, and Cedric Mullins. I tried to use those as my as my guides and Blake Snell, 2018, uh, the player that I picked who could be that version of for this year was Patrick Sandoval, a, a pitching prospect who hasn't quite put it all together, but does in a big breakout season. Patrick Sandoval last season had a higher swinging strike rate than Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, Shane McClanahan, Garrett Cole, Freddie Peralta, among many, many others. In fact, 
uh, among 151 players out of 163 who threw at least 80 innings. He had a higher swing strike rate, 15.2%. He was really, really good. That was fueled by a changeup that was one of the very best pitches in baseball last season with a whiff per swing rate of 51.4%. That was the highest among the 55 pitchers who use their changeups most often in 2021. So we have established that the changeup, one of the best pitches in baseball, and he uses it a ton, but he's also got a heavy fastball and a slider that he can throw for whiffs. Uh, His slider was a weapon against both lefties and righties. He did a good job of suppressing hard contact all around, 73rd percentile among pitchers in terms of expected weighted on base average, according to StatCast. I think his strikeout rate was 25. His strikeout rate was 25.9% last season. I think that takes a step forward. I think he gets to the 28 to 29% range with the whiffs that he gets. His already very good quality of contact suppression skills make Patrick Sandoval a top 12 starting pitcher. That is my bold prediction. I love it. I know Scott and myself also have Patrick Sandoval as a breakout this season. The problem, Chris, is that if you want to get Patrick Sandoval, his price has been on the rise over the past seven days over at the NFBC. His ADP is 182. Do you feel comfortable selecting him there, Chris? That's that's about 40 to 50 spots lower than where I have him ranked, I think. All right, so you are getting Patrick Sandoval. Maybe it's not that extreme, but yeah, it's lower than I have him ranked. All right. Someone who has been on the rise. About, it's 50 spots lower. I have him 132nd overall. Um, I, yeah, I'm 100% willing to buy Patrick Sandoval at that price. He's, there's a reason he's on a lot of my teams. All right, Scott. Bold prediction maybe, number two. Maybe that's why he's not on any of my teams, because I do like Patrick <laughs> Sandoval, but I, I don't think I've drafted him once. Let me see where I have him. I'm in the same exact boat, Scott. He might be in all of my leagues that I'm playing out, actually. I have, well, I, have him, I have him ranked 139 in Roto. I haven't got he's him either. I think he's like 8 to 10 spots higher in my pitchers because my pitchers overall are lower than yours. Okay, fair enough. Now I want to look to see where I have Patrick Sandoval in my rankings. I have him 153rd. Yeah, you guys have him both inside the top 140. I really like Patrick he's Sandoval. He's 36 for me. I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm all in. I'm going to wind up with... Between leagues that have fab and waivers and leagues that I just set lineups, you know, there's a few like draft and hold leagues like that. I'm going to wind up with, I want to say 12 or 13 leagues this year. I don't have Patrick Sandoval on a single one. And it hurts. I don't feel good about that. Scott, bull prediction number two. Dalton Varsho and Alejandro Kirk are both top five catchers this year. Spicy. Yeah. Let that sink in. This and, and here's a couple of supporting bold predictions for this main bold prediction. Varsha leads the position in stolen bases by a considerable margin. Kirk leads it in batting average. So those are th- that's supporting the idea that they'll both be top five catchers. But more than anything, it's about at bats. I think they are going to get more playing time than the average catcher. I think it's. Clearer for Varsho because they already ha- the, the Diamondbacks are already planning to make him their their primary center fielder, getting only occasional starts behind the plate. So that's going to give him a playing time advantage over the average catcher eligible player. And then for Kirk, it's not as clear that he's going to be the primary DH for the Blue Jays, but he's going to spend a lot of time at DH. And I think if he hits like he's capable of hitting, I've said before. Uh, hard hit rate like Freddie Freeman, contact rate like Yuli Gurriel last year for Alejandro Kirk. 
if he hits like I think he's capable, then he'll get more and more bats at DH and may just eventually become the guy there on a near everyday basis, which would give him a playing time advantage over most catchers as well. So, Varsho and Kirk, top five. See, big, see it happening. Big, beefy baseball Kirk. If you play in two catcher leagues, or maybe even if you wait in a one catcher league, Alejandro Kirk, a name to pay attention to there. Uh, I originally wrote down like 10 or 11 different bold predictions and I, I narrowed my, my list down from there. Uh, I had one, Scott, where Dalton Varsho is back in the minors before Memorial Day. Boo. Oh. Boo. I'm, I'm sure Chris is going to tell me what his career stats are right now. To undermine. <laughs> no, fine. Chris, wow. where do you, where do you, uh, where do you <laughs> lie, Chris, on the, uh, the Dalton Varsho? Because I feel like Scott is on Varsho. By which Varsho? I like Varsho. Okay. Well, you know, the, I, I will point out that the, the Diamondbacks do have another catcher slash outfielder in their system who was even better than Dalton Varsho at AAA last season. Don't don't sleep on my guy Cooper Hummel. Okay. And yeah. his 978 OPS at AAA last season. No, I, Dalton Varsho, the, the outfield eligibility doesn't matter, but the fact that he plays outfield is super important and it's not inconceivable that he goes 2020 this season. And, you know, maybe he doesn't play catcher enough to remain catcher eligible next season. Although I would prefer that. Um, but honestly, the best case scenario for this season is probably he doesn't play catcher enough to remain out eligible next season because he's just so good that the, the diamondbacks don't want to mess with it and they just keep him in the outfield every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's he was awesome in the second half. The the profile is incredibly fantasy friendly. He's part of why I'm not really all that interested in drafting JT Real Muto this year. Because I just feel like Real Muto is getting a lot of credit for what the 11 stolen bases he had last season, but I don't necessarily buy him doing that anymore. And he gets a lot of credit for being an outlier at the position. But Don Varsho may be the actual outlier in terms of stolen bases at, at catcher. So, you know, I'm, I'm with you there. Oh, I'm not the only one who's with Scott. You just heard Chris say it. He is with Scott on Dalton. Varsha. I have him ranked as a top five catcher. That's not That's the bold true. part. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe, maybe this prediction isn't bold enough. Now that saying. <laughs> well, I mean, Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, I, I only I have think, him. Ninth. I think what it is, is getting them both in the top five very likely forces Real Muto out. And Real Muto has been like the position standard bearer for the past half decade. So mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me if that happened. Yeah, I had one that was kind of similar, Scott, where it involved multiple players. I was one that I had written down was the Giants entire pitching staff finishes as top 25 starting pitchers. All five of them are top 25 in fantasy, but that would require a lot like of it. things to go right. Um, Scott, I noticed that right around the 20 minute mark of this podcast, you started like rubbing your head. I think like Chris was like stressing you out a little bit. And now, oh, and was, now, and now you're just... now you're squeezing a stress ball. I just saw yeah, in your other hand that true. you are squeezing a stress ball. <laughs> so don't let Chris get to you, man. Like the season hasn't uh, even started yet. Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I have been. If I really I mean, wanted to get to Scott, I would dress as a clown. Oh, <laughs> you're not wrong. That's true. I would just be there would be a Scott shaped hole. <laughs> <laughs> back back through that wall. Yeah, this stress ball's been my little friendly. It's like a heart with a mustache. I yeah. don't know. It looks like One something of the kids got it on Valentine's Day and I claimed it as my own. It looks so like I just something sit here while we're podcasting, squeezing it. 
<laughs> it looks like something you would see out of a Super Mario Brothers video game or something like that. Uh, I'll give you my bold prediction number two, and then we'll we'll hit a quick break. Uh, once again, we will get just one 30-30 bat in 2022. 30 homers and 30 steals. Just one player will do it. His name is Akil Badu. The raw talent is already there. Statcast in terms of max exit velocity, sprint speed. They really like this guy. Uh, AJ Hinch wants him to be the leadoff hitter. He's got to succeed against left-handed pitching to do that every single day. Uh, I'm not sure that he'll be able to do that. You know, there's been some up and down so far in spring, a few home runs off of left-handed pitching. He has to improve that way. Like, that's the only way this is possible if he's playing every single day for the Detroit Tigers. But uh, he improved the strikeout rate tremendously. Last season, the first two months, that was 37%. The final four months, it was 22%. And again, as I mentioned, the power and speed is already there for him. He just really needs the playing time. Uh, Chris, I know Akil Badu is someone that you really like as well. Uh, Scott, Scott, I don't know. Where are you at, Scott, on Akil Badu? You like him? I'm torn on him. I wanted his plate discipline to be better last year. That is... It got better as the season went on. It got better, and then it got worse. Yeah, there was, was one. I think it was August where he struck out. I feel out like that was mostly a product of his playing time against lefties. There was a stretch where his his underlying stats looked really, really good, like in July, mm-hmm. and it was because he wasn't really playing against lefties. So that's uh-huh. where he needs to take the step forward. I think. What I think Randy Arozarena is, and and I have Randy Arozarena as one of my biggest busts going into this year. So I'm I'm not a Randy Arozarena guy. So with that in mind, what I think Randy Arozarena be is. In reality, not who he was last year. I think Akil Badu could also be. I would rather have Badu at his price than a Rosarena at his price, for sure. But I haven't drafted Akil Badu even once, so it's it's not a priority for me. All right, before we hit the break, a week unlike another is finally here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Hideki Matsuyama will defend his green jacket. Go join the First Cut Golf Podcast, where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament. From storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice, the First Cut has you covered. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you are listening to this podcast and... If you listen or watch this podcast, then you should be part of our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. It's free to join, facebook.com slash groups slash Fantasy Baseball Today. I know a lot of people have questions right now. We're still getting a lot of emails. We appreciate all the support. Again, it's just hard for me to, uh, I'm trying to answer some of those like here and there in my, in my downtime, but there are a lot of emails. We appreciate it, but you can join the Facebook group. You can talk it out with some of our other listeners and supporters. Again, that's facebook.com slash group slash fantasy baseball today. We're going to hit a quick break. And when we come back, a few more bold predictions here on fantasy baseball today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. 
All right, so let's get into bold prediction number three. Let's do it rather quickly. I want to get to bullpens. Chris, what you got? So I, I want a ruling on whether this is bold enough. Um, so my initial one was George Springer has 240 combined runs plus RBI. That would be a lot. But That's a lot. looking over the past decade, there have been about 15 players who have had 240 combined runs plus RBI, including Anthony Rendon in 2019. And Rafael Devers in 2019 also did it. So I'm wondering if that's not bold enough. And maybe I need to bump it to one to 250, which has only been done once over the past decade. Do you guys know who did that? Mm. 155 combined runs and RBI. I'm going to guess Trout. Not Mike Trout. Bryce Harper. Guy led the majors in home runs and RBI that season while also having 123 runs scored. I don't have a good... I was thinking one of the Blue Jays guys from last year, but I don't think that's true. Nope. It was a guy who won an MVP on a sub-500 team, Giancarlo Stanton, in 2017. 255 combined runs and RBI. I'm going to put it at 250 for George Springer. That is how much I like George Springer hitting at the top of this Blue Jays lineup. And look, over the past three seasons, his per 162 game pace, 239 runs combined and RBI. That's not hitting leadoff for the Toronto Blue Jays the whole season. Obviously, the Houston Astros lineup was pretty good. Um, But I genuinely don't think people understand how good of a hitter George Springer has been over the past three seasons. I think people are like, yeah, George Springer's good. His combined line over the past three seasons, 278, 369, 570, 939 OPS. His per 162 game pace for home runs, 48. This dude is one of the best power hitters in baseball. He's going to hit leadoff for what we think is probably, okay, maybe not the best lineup in baseball because those guys in Los Angeles uh, are pretty good, but... Blue Jays lineup is going to turn over a ton. He's going to have a good on-base percentage. He's going to score a ton of runs. He's going to drive in a ton of runs. George Springer is going to be massively, massively valuable this season. Well, we already know one of these bold predictions is going to be wrong because there is no scenario in which George Springer delivers a combined 250 runs in RBI and Lourdes Gurriel is the best hitter on the Blue Jays. That is that's true. And it might exclusive. be hard for Byron Buxton to win AL MVP. <laughs> I was just thinking that he's too. all mutually <laughs> exclusive. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was going to point out again, like Chris, you said it well, but Marcus Simeon last year, two hundred and seventeen runs in RBI, and he did that with an eight seventy three OPS. George Springer yeah. last three seasons, you mentioned nine thirty nine OPS, and you know if he does that, that that's considerably better than who Marcus Simeon was yeah. last year. Now, the, the last piece of the puzzle is staying healthy for, for George Springer. Yeah, staying healthy. That's, that's asking a lot. Yeah. Scott, bold prediction but. number three. C.J. Abrams leads the NL in stolen bases. Ooh. I'm not going to put so him gonna up. He's going to play half the season? I don't get it. It's just a little joke about how few stolen bases there are in Major League Baseball in 2020. Oh, okay. Okay. 21. I'm not going to put him up against a healthy at Alberto Mondesi, which is why I'm saying just the NL, but I will put him up against the actual MLB stolen base leader last year, Starling Marte. 80-grade speed, C.J. Abrams is uh, rated as having among all the, all the prospect evaluators. That's as high as it gets, folks. And the hit tool is not far behind, so it's, it's, it's not like a Billy Hamilton situation where he's not going to 
be able to get on base enough to take advantage of that speed. Uh, I, it, it's, it hasn't been confirmed yet, but the le- it, it seems like the Padres are leaning toward having him on the opening day roster, filling in a shortstop for Fernando Tatis, and he'll, you know, provided he's not overmatched, making a big leap, obviously, has hardly seen any time above a ball in the minors, but it's a very high draft pick, highly rated prospect. Presuming it goes well, he can move to center field once Tatis gets back and take advantage of his speed there. So I suspect, I expect Abrams is going to be around for a long time and uh, it's going to rack up stolen bases. So that's the most coveted category in, in, in Roto leagues. Don't, don't be sleeping on this guy, CJ hmm. Abrams. Yes. Yeah, Not so- to be confused with JJ Abrams. No lens flare here, <laughs> just a flash on the base paths. Uh, for those who are still drafting, or if you've already drafted in a Roto 5 outfielder league that has also a middle infielder, C.J. Abrams should be rostered in those leagues. So if you got your draft coming up, just remember the name You know, towards the end of your draft. Or again, if you've already drafted, put in a claim, uh, put down some fab dollars for C.J. Abrams because, again, the speed could be a difference maker for those formats. My last bold prediction here, and this is actually the one that I believe the most. In terms of fantasy output, this one's dedicated to Scott White. In terms of fantasy output, Shane Bieber finishes no better than third best in the Guardians rotation this Ooh. upcoming season. Now, I'm I'm this betting on me. multiple things happening here. So first, Shane Bieber is probably not going to be healthy if this is the case this upcoming season. So I'm kind of baking that in that he probably doesn't make all of his starts this upcoming year. And uh, he dealt with the shoulder injury last year. He missed three months of the season. And we've seen multiple pitchers already get shut down this year for, you know, look, all shoulder injuries are different. But, you know, Jack Flaherty comes to mind where, you know, he's he's already dealing with something major. Uh, next up, he's not as great even when he does pitch. So I think the strikeouts will still be really good, but he allows a lot of hard contact. I think the home runs could become an issue for him as well. And then lastly, it's just the other members of the Guardians step up. So they somehow surpass Shane Bieber either when he's hurt or not pitching well. Tristan McKenzie, someone I've pegged as a breakout in this rotation. And then the other one that is ahead of Bieber is kind of tough. Maybe Aaron Savali could put it together. Cal Quantrill kind of rekindles what he did last season um, to, to be better than Shane Bieber this year. They have some prospects coming too. Logan T. Allen, Cody Morris, Peyton Battenfield. You know, maybe one of those pitchers comes up and, and they're awesome. But yeah, I think it's a, it's just like a culmination of things that go wrong for Shane Bieber this season. And as a result, he is not one of their two best pitchers in the rotation. Well, I don't know if we're going to do our award winner <laughs> predictions here, but I, I have Shane Bieber winning the AL Cy Young. So. Ooh. <laughs> I don't think I've actually drafted Shane Bieber this year, though. It's it's. I have just, not. I'm looking. I'm looking to go hitter in the second round usually. So, um, I have him. I have him on a keeper team. I know as as somebody I kept, but I don't think I've drafted him this year. So I'm actually not mm-hmm. as invested in him as I was last year. You know, he was only like the seventh best pitcher on their team last year. So I don't even know how bold this one. <laughs> this one is. No, I, I look. I I. I have Shane Bieber ranked lower, I think, than both of you guys. I think he's 12 or 13 for me. Um, I haven't drafted him at all this season. I, I share your concerns. It's where that second guy, because like I could see Tristan McKenzie pulling together a run where he throws 150 innings of a sub-3 RA. Like that, that's, that's not inconceivable to me. It's the other guy. It's Zach Plezak or Aaron Savali or Cal Quant- Like. I don't have faith in those guys, even with the the Guardians track record. 
Um, I just, I don't know if any of those guys have the juice for it, but you know, I, I think the the crux of it that Shane Bieber is going to disappoint. I, I think that's very realistic. Yeah, the, the coming up with the second pitcher that was admittedly very tough here. Uh, that will finish ahead of Shane Bieber. Let's get Emmanuel to- Class A. Hey, definitely possible. Uh, let's get to some news and notes. Julio, it's happened. Julio Rodriguez has made the Seattle Mariners. There was actually an awesome video that they put out on the Mariners Twitter account where uh, they filmed the entire thing as it happened. I, I don't know where those cameras were set up or if it was candid, whatever. But it was really cool. Uh, there were 10 drafts in the NFBC on Monday alone. Rodriguez's ADP was 101.2, going just after Mitch Hanniger, ahead of Jesse Winker, Cody Bellinger, and Lourdes Gurriel. Scott, I see you making some faces. Does that sound about right? Uh, just around pick 100 for Julio Rodriguez. I'm glad... I was one of the few people who thought this was a possibility back in like February. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot harder to get Julio Rodriguez now. Like I, it makes sense, it, but it's weird even that this, like how, how long ago was it pretty clear that Julio Rodriguez was going to win this job? Like at least the last week. Right. So I'm not sure why the official yeah. announcement has that much bearing on where he's drafted uh, as it seems to, but yeah, I mean, he probably shouldn't. Chris said it yesterday. He probably Julio Rodriguez probably shouldn't go that much later than than Bobby Witt. I think, uh, you know, they both provide some speed in addition to being great hitters. I think Bobby Witt is is probably gonna have. He, he's probably gonna be a bit steadier. I think it's, you know, he got a full season in the upper minors last year and dominated there. And I just, I think maybe there's, he's gonna he's he's not gonna show his youth as much as Julio Rodriguez might. Uh, so he he deserves to go ahead of Rodriguez, but like it'll be a really close race for the two of them for AL Rookie of the Year, I suspect. And I mean Spencer Torkelson is a yeah has a pretty. I mean, just time. for defensive yeah. reasons, I think yeah. he's a distant third. But obviously, if one of Witt or, or Rodriguez underperforms, then Torkelson could be in that mix. And I do wonder if you know maybe Rodriguez is not as safe a bet for speed as his minor league numbers might suggest because he's he's one of those guys who like the scouting reports don't necessarily suggest that his speed is as much of a strength as his minor league numbers do um but i don't know you know I think that, when he's that's young, also an energetic like he's still he's yeah. stolen three bases this spring i think so yeah. he's you know he hasn't he hasn't been tentative on the base paths the little bit we've seen of him so far yeah um, but yeah, I, I have him ranked right outside of the top 100. I think that's the right range for him. Um, I like Scott, I am glad that I drafted him a decent amount in the weeks leading up to this. Um, ended up with him and Bobby Witt in my TGFBI league, which is not something that I usually end up doing, but he went so late. I mean, he was a 16th round pick, I think. And yeah, in TGFBI I got him in TGFBI there. I think also in round 16. Yeah, that's a 15 yeah, teamer. Yeah. Yeah. So like that was that was where it was worth gambling. You know, hundredth overall is it's a different question because then you're passing on legitimately already great players. You know, like Jesse Winker for for the the criticisms that we have of him is already a great major league hitter. You know, you know what you're gonna get from him. I have him ranked right behind Marcelo Zuna, but I would guess his ADP is gonna be higher than Marcelo Zuna's. Um Cody Ballinger, that's a that's a little a little more skeptical, but yeah, that's it's um 
I don't know. I, I yeah, still think he's I, worth drafting at 101 point, 101.2. Just if you yeah. get FOMO, you know, if nothing else, get I, him I because he's going to be fun. Winker, Ozuna, Bellinger, all three of those. I, I think I would take Rodriguez over them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have him. I have him behind Ozuna, but ahead of Bellinger or uh, ahead of, sorry, behind Ozuna, ahead of Winker and Bellinger. I think the interesting one is just ahead of Bellinger in terms of ADP, Christian Yelich. I'm pretty sure Chris Chris was Yelich, but I I think that's a tough call. Mm, Yeah, I typically don't draft Yelich. I I think I would go with Julio, but I do not feel comfortable saying that. So that is probably the right range uh, to start considering him if you've got any drafts coming up. The Red Sox placed Chris Sale on the 60-day IL on Monday with that stress fracture in his right rib. Scott, are you moving him down knowing that we won't see him for the first two months? I, I feel like you know we've expressed some optimism recently, but... Yeah. He's out until June, at least. Yeah. Um, I, I would based on the way he had been talking about feeling better and starting to throw soon and probably not re- leading, needing the full ramp up time is how he put it. But you're going on the 60 day DL that's uh, or IL, I should say that's obviously setting a timetable for you. That's later than I was hoping for. So, you know, I guess he and Lance Lynn are basically on the same timetable. Yeah, that's the case. Who would you rather take Chris Sale or Lance Lynn? I had sale ranked ahead initially. Uh, there's probably more of a chance of a setback with sale, but not enough for me to take Lynn instead. All right. Ron Lacuna was placed on the 10 day IL as expected. His timetable remains early May. The Cardinals placed Jack Flaherty on the 10 day IL with that shoulder injury. He recently received a PRP injection and he's expected to start a throwing program soon. Riley green, Outfield prospect for the Detroit Tigers did indeed go on the triple A injured list, so he won't be eligible for IL spots in your fantasy leagues. Keep that in mind if you were planning on stashing Riley Green. Lance McCullers has not resumed throwing as he works through that flexor tendon issue. See Trent Rosecrans reported that uh, Nick Lodolo will make his major league debut next Wednesday against the Cleveland Guardians. And so far this spring, a 2.38 ERA, 0.97 whip, 12 strikeouts over 11 and a third innings pitched. Nick Lodolo is only 30% rostered. Uh, Chris, would you take Lodolo over any of Matt Brash, Mitch Keller, or Merrill Kelly, who's been in the news recently as well? I think that's an interesting range. Um I don't know, Lodolo, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, but he he's his numbers are are really, really impressive, but he's not necessarily like the scouting reports aren't necessarily, you know, as ace caliber as, you know, the 13.9 yeah. K per nine to 1.8 walks per nine that he yeah. had last season at double A. He was the, they don't necessarily view him that same way, right? No, no. He he was the first pitcher drafted in 2019 seventh overall but he was thought to be more of a floor play than an upside play somebody who'd move quickly granted there once upon a time Aaron Nola was that guy and he obviously has emerged as something like an ace in the majors so uh it's possible Lodolo exceeds that scouting report I think the main issue for him is that he threw just 50 and two-thirds innings last year so they're gonna have to be careful with him and because he's you know, they got a few guys set to come off the IL pretty early in the season. Um, I would guess, I would guess odds are that he's not going to last in this role all of April. He, he could blow the doors down and, and you know, they, 
the Reds have to keep him around. But my my guess is they're going to pull back on him for a while once everybody's healthy. So I would I would definitely take Brash Matt Brash over Lodolo. I would take Mitch sure. Keller over Lodolo. You take I Hunter probably, Green over him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Hunter Green has a better chance of sticking around. He threw more innings last year. Uh, but Merrill Kelly, you, you mentioned, Frank. And, and while I have some hope for Merrill Kelly having a career season this year, uh, just based on the track record, pretty mediocre. I think I'd take a shot on Lodolo and the upside there. All right. Well, and I just think from from this perspective, like you could leave Merrill Kelly out there and he could have a good start and maybe go unclaimed. If yeah. Nick Lodolo is out on free agency and he has a good start against Cleveland, he's gonna get he's gonna be hundred percent rostered. Fair enough. Right. Per Zach Silver, who covers the Orioles for MLB.com, this is what he tweeted out. Jorge Lopez certainly sounds like he might become the Orioles closer, if not highest leverage arm. Brandon Hyde hinted at. Paul Fry, Dylan Tate also in the mix. Going to be a trial by fire. More on this in just a little bit. Luke Weaver will pitch out of the bullpen for the D-backs. They didn't announce who the fifth starter would be just yet. It could be Caleb Smith or Corbin Martin. They have some pitching prospects coming in, in Dre Jameson and Ryan Nelson, uh, but they haven't pitched above A yet, so I don't think they're going to be aggressive with those two. The Padres are still engaging teams on Chris Paddock trade talks, and Nate Pearson has been ruled out for opening day. He's been dealing with a non-COVID illness and doesn't have enough time uh, to build up. Some quick spring performances I wanted to mention from Monday. Dom Smith, he hit his second home run, and he's just having a monster spring. 11 for 25, 440 batting average. I just don't know how much he's going to play. They still have you know Robinson Cano, who could DH. Uh, Jeff McNeil is going to be their second baseman. They have a few other names there, J.D. Davis. So uh, I think it's going to be tough for, for Dom Smith to find consistent playing time unless he's just absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, and speaking of crushing the ball, Diego Castillo, a name that I mentioned yesterday, Scott, we were talking a little bit beforehand. You picked him up in one of your NL only leagues. He went not fourth. the Mariners reliever. Yes, to be clear. He Good is for a, Diego Castillo expected to be the second baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He actually came over. I think it was in the Jamison Tyone trade from the New York Yankees. He went four for four on Monday. He had a sixth homer of the spring. He's batting 406 and he was told that he has made the Pirates opening day roster. Last season in the minors, he had 278, 19 homers, nine steals. Again, the name there is Diego Castillo. Uh, I also go ahead, Scott. It wasn't the Jamison Tyone trade. It was a trade that happened in the middle of last season. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the Pirates Yankees trade, but it was a midseason. Well, oh, was it that guy Clay Holmes? That guy the Yankees fans loved. Clay Holmes was also in that trade, right? The first baseman. Oh no, no, Hoy June Park. Yeah, wasn't he part of that trade too? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think it was Hoy Park and Diego Castillo for Clay Holmes. Does that sound right? I think so. Uh, anyway, it was just it was a, rel- a reliever with like terrible numbers, but he actually pitched pretty well with the Yankees. So, anyway, uh, yes. No, Castillo's not uninteresting. No, he, he is it's, not. It's going to be interesting to watch. You know what the what the Statcast data shows early on, especially. Some uh, streamers for the weekend I wanted to quickly mention if you're just doing like three, three-day three lineup for this weekend. Uh, the Phillies face the Oakland A's. Kyle Gibson is 51% rostered. Zach Eflin is 52%. Uh, the Rays face the Orioles. Drew Rasmussen is 47% rostered. Corey Kluber, eh, 68% rostered. And then the Cardinals face the Pirates. Miles Michaelis is 24% rostered. Uh, Scott, is there a name that just stands out above the rest here? Kyle Gibson, Eflin, Rasmussen, Kluber, Michaelis. Maybe like one or two that you actually feel comfortable streaming? 
Uh, I think the ones I'd be most interested are the Rays, Rasmussen, and, and I, I think Rasmussen's a clear number one. And then Kluber would be behind him for me. All right, let's get into, man, bullpens, five minutes left. We're going to go a little bit longer here. We'll probably go like 10 minutes over, but I just want to quickly run through because we haven't done this exercise in a while and people might be drafting or making waiver claims in deep leagues and, and they need saves. So I'll quickly start with the National League. The Mets, Edwin Diaz, that's fair to say. Uh, Nationals, Chris, we'll start with you here. Do you have a lean? Tanner Rainey versus Kyle Finnegan versus Tyler Clippard. Yeah. <laughs> My guess would have been rainy before the spring, but I, I don't have a lean either way. It it it's not a scenario like this is the scenario where I'm just I'm I'll wait until I see. Like I just I don't think any of these guys is worth a roster spot without knowing who the closer is. I just I just I, that feels like a waste of a roster spot. Yeah, yeah, it's I pro- agree. Probably more of a deeper league kind of thing. Fifteen team roto. Um, yeah, Tanner Rainey even. even- that. Even in that, Even I don't then, know that I want to use the roster spot. I, I just had to drop Dominic Smith in a 15-team Roto League. So, yeah. Uh, Tanner Rainey, I know his velo has been down throughout spring. The results have been okay. Uh, Dave Martinez said earlier on, I think a couple of weeks ago, that he wants Tanner Rainey to win the job. It's just can yeah. can the guy actually um, can he, he actually do it? Perform terrible last year. So yeah. 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 Uh, for the Phillies, Corey Knebel is the guy for now to start. For the Atlanta Braves, Kenley Jansen will be their closer. Uh, the Marlins, Dylan Floro, will not be ready for opening day due to arm soreness. So we've got Anthony Bender, Anthony Bass. They just traded for Cole Sulcer. Uh, Scott, do you have a lean here for the Marlins bullpen? I, I think I'm going, I think I'm pushing my chips in for Anthony Bender now. I, I think Don Mattingly was reluctant to use him as the closer last year because he had he, he already f- filled such a critical role for him. But the Cole Sulcer trade and the knowledge of Dylan Floro coming back, I think it's going to make it easier to go with the the most talented pitcher. So I will, you know, obviously it's I, I don't say that with a lot of conviction, but if you have to if you have to go with one Marlins reliever, I think Anthony Bender is the one. The concern is Floro could just miss like a week and end yeah. up. Yeah, like they might have one save opportunity. Yeah, so he doesn't get a time. chance to really yeah. like sink his teeth into the role. So that that's the only concern there. But, but I'm not yeah, sure no, how I agree on the grip was I in agree. the first place for Flora. Yeah. <laughs> for the Cubs, it seems like they have three potential suitors here. Rowan Wick, Michael Givens, and David Robertson. I saw some rumblings recently that the Cubs may not want to use Rowan Wick as the closer. Uh, Michael Givens has 29 career saves. David Robertson, 137 career saves, but just really has not pitched that much, uh, that much since the start of 2019. Chris, what do you think here? Givens, Robertson, Rowan Wick. I think I would probably lean Robertson. It just feels like one of those situations where a team adds a guy, see if they can make him the closer and trade him. You know, that that would be my guess. So I I would expect that they would want him to be the closer given his experience, and then we'll and then we'll see. All right. For the Reds, Lucas Sims expected to start on the IL with elbow and back injuries. That leaves Luis Sessa, Hunter Strickland, and Art Warren. What do you think, Scott? Gambling on Warren. Warren was who I picked up in place of Dominic Smith in that 15-team league. You know, the the little bit he was up last year and, and looking at the minor leagues, unlike Camilo Duvall, Art Warren's minor league stats look dominant too. And... uh yeah, I think I think he could take the job and run with it if David Bell gives him that opportunity. 
For the Pirates, David Bednar and Chris Stratton, there was a report recently that they're expected to go closer by committee here. Uh, they had 10 saves after Richard Rodriguez was traded last season. Stratton converted seven of those. David Bednar had three. Uh, Bednar also was dealing with an oblique injury last season. I, I was reminded of that from, from somebody. So uh, I don't, you know, maybe if he was more available, if he was healthy, he would have had more saves. But uh, Bednar is having a much better spring than Stratton. Uh, Chris, what do you think about these two? Bednar is a much better pitcher sure than is. Stratton as well. So I, I think you just, when, when it's a committee, you default to that guy, I think. I agree, but I'm not, like, I'm pretty invested in Stratton. And in most Roto Leagues, I'd still be willing to roster him because, I, like, if he, I, I think the Pirates would rather him get the majority of the saves just so they don't have to pay Bednar more in arbitration. I mean, obviously, they're not looking to win right now. Uh, so, you know, Bednar should go first, but I wouldn't want to invest a ton in Bednar, and I wouldn't want to completely sure. disregard Stratton as an option. The Cardinals are planning to go closer by committee. They have Giovanni Gallegos, who's been awesome anytime he's gotten an opportunity. Uh, and then Jordan Hicks is coming back, and he's you know throwing hard this spring. I, I believe he had an outing either on Sunday or Monday where he didn't look so good. But, uh, Scott, what do you think about the Cardinals situation? Uh, I think I think Gallegos. I know they've they've said it's going to be a committee. Everybody's saying it's going to be a committee. I think Gallegos is the most trustworthy, and he'll get the most looks in the beginning, just because no one else deserves it more. Mm -hmm. For the Diamondbacks, they signed Mark Melanson this offseason. He's got a 16.2 ERA this spring. Cutter and fastball velo were both down three miles per hour on Saturday, so. Ian Kennedy is the next man up there and, and just a name to watch and remember. For the Rockies, apparently uh, going with a three-man committee, though, Chris, you told me something just before we started instead. Uh, yeah, I saw an MLB.com piece saying that they're... that because Daniel Bard's been so good this spring, they're kind of hoping he can take the job. So that's something to keep in mind. But, mm -hmm. you know, obviously he was really bad last season, so I'm not necessarily sure I would have much confidence in that. Yeah, and then there are other options. Alex Calame and Carlos Estevez haven't been great. Um, Don't inspire a lot of confidence in course field either. Right. For the Dodgers, they just traded for Craig Kimbrell. He's having a rough spring. We spoke about him on yesterday's podcast. For the Padres, we mentioned also that Robert Suarez looks like uh, he is the leader in this competition. And I saw a quote from Bob Melvin this weekend. Quote, he's going to be a big piece for us. Where it fits in, I'm not 100% sure. I love the fact that he's used to closing, and that's what he's done. If that's the case for him, we'll have all the confidence in the world. Scott, you're going with Robert Suarez here. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be where all the indicators are. And he was great in that role in Japan. And has looked good this spring. Good ground ball skills, and he's gotten a lot of strikeouts this spring. He didn't in Japan. Strikeouts aren't as big a part of the game in Japan. Hitters are more focused on making contact there. Uh, so I don't know that he won't necessarily be a good strikeout guy in the majors, Robert Suarez. Uh, I, I do want to mention for the Rockies, I, I'm, I'm still counting on Alex Colome. I mean, like he, he obviously has a long track record in the role. And Bard and Estevez, we saw how that went last year. So I, I like if you're going to invest in any Rockies reliever, I still think it should be Colome. All right. For the Giants, we spoke about them 
at length earlier in the podcast. So if you agree with Scott, you might want to go with Duvall. If you agree with me, Jake McGee, if, <laughs> if you want to go with Chris, then you'll, you'll go with Tyler Rogers. So take your pick. I'm not actually, I, I would go with Jake McGee. All right, let's go over to the American league for the Yankees. It will be a role Chapman uh, for the Red Sox. I was feeling good about Matt Barnes, but Alex Cora admitted to reporters over the weekend that he's concerned about Matt Barnes's lack of velocity during spring training. Chris, I just don't know where else they go. Like Garrett Whitlock is having a strong spring, but they've they've used him as like a quasi starter well, reliever. I'm not Chris, but they <laughs> apparently identified a mechanical issue for for Matt Barnes, and they're hoping that that will get the velocity back. I haven't heard an update since then, but. Th- that's where it stands. And and like a, they had a few relievers whose velocity was down this spring. So they're, they're working on the mechanics of several different guys and Barnes was one of them. So just to further your point that where else do they go? I'm, I'm not sure there yeah. is another place they go. Yeah I, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is that there's just no other obvious option, but I don't feel great about him. If they're not using Garrett Whitlock in the rotation, I think he actually uh, could do so, it. I think he's talented uh, enough, but the plan for Whitlock, yeah, is to piggyback Rich Hill. So it's okay. not like it it's not like he's in the rotation, but he's kind of tied to the rotation still. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense for Rich Hill as well. For the Tampa Bay Rays, again, they had 14 different relievers with a save last season, which led Major League Baseball. Uh I'm feeling pretty good about Andrew Kittridge here. I know they have some other names, JT Chargois, JP Fireisen. Uh Chris, do you share optimism in Andrew Kittridge? I think he's the most likely guy to get the first save. I don't know if that means he's likely to get 50% of their save opportunities, but if you have to pick one guy, yeah, he's the guy. All right. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano looks like the guy. He uh, sprained his ankle while walking his dog last week. I I think he saw that he threw a bullpen or he's already feeling better, so should be all right for opening day. Yeah, he's fine. For the Orioles, (laughs) mentioned a few options earlier, Scott. I mean, it's... A bad team going closer by committee. It's, I mean, this is probably only for like AL only leagues, but what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the national situation where mm-hmm. everybody's bad. They're probably not going to win enough to, to, for anybody to really stand out from the bad. Uh, I, I put in a claim for Jorge Lopez in my 12 team AL only league, but that's a 12 team AL only league. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's like the Pirates. I, like, I think Chris Stratton and David Bednar both could be good. Whereas, like, so it's kind of worth speculating on one of them, but with the Nationals and Orioles, it's just, I don't think any of those guys are good. Yeah. I know for a while last year, Paul Fry was was getting saves, but he's a left-handed pitcher. The overall numbers by the end of the season were not good. Um, if I had to choose someone, I I think I would take a shot on Paul Fry, but it's, yeah, we've already talked about the it's Orioles for way closers too long. On a Closer on a team that's... Actively not trying to win games still, so. Yeah, not great. For the White Sox, of course, it is Liam Hendricks. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A. I, I think I saw that he signed like a five-year extension worth um, yep. like $20 million, so. So that'll keep his him. arbitration cost down. Yeah. There won't be arbitration. Yep, and uh, Terry Francona typically goes with one closer, so you should feel very good about him. For the Tigers, it's probably a committee... Um, you know, Scott, like coming into the offseason, I think you and I were both on, like, why take Gregory Soto when you could just get Michael Fulmer much later? Fulmer's velo has been way down this spring. Uh, Gregory Soto has not walked a single batter. I'm kind of feeling that they go back towards Gregory Soto now. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. The velocity being down for Fulmer this spring 
definitely takes the wind out of those sails. I still doubt it's Gregory Soto firmly in the role, but he would be the first Tigers reliever I drafted, which was always the case, but I guess even a little more so now. For the Kansas City Royals, it seems like Scott Barlow, he had six of their final seven saves in September. Josh Stallmont was solid down the stretch. Um, Stallmont has not been good this spring. Uh, Chris, do you have any confidence in Scott Barlow? I think Barlow's fine. He's good enough to, you know, if he if he has the role to not necessarily lose it immediately, but certainly one of those situations. I mean, there's going to be probably 10 closer situations that are different 10 days into the season. So that's one of the ones that could be. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Minnesota Twins are next up. Taylor Rogers, uh, I, I think it's likely the leader. He has a 30-save season already back in 2019 with Rocco Baldelli as his manager. Uh, they have a few other names here, though. Tyler Duffy, Yoan Duran, who was a prospect for them, and he's having a really strong spring and, and was told he will make the opening day roster. Jorge Alcala, another one here. Um, Scott, you thinking they start with T- Taylor Rogers? Yeah, I think I mean Taylor Rogers is obviously the one you want in fantasy. I think Rocco Baldelli fancies himself as a committee guy. Like he wants to be Kevin Cash, he wants to be uh, Gabe, Gabe Kapler. Kapler. He, yeah. he wants to be part of that fraternity of managers who are constantly mixing it up in the ninth inning. And so I'm not like I, I'm not super confident Rogers is going to be among the league leaders in saves, even if he's part of that mix all season long yeah what's good about taylor rogers is even if he doesn't get every single save his ratios and strikeouts should be fantastic so yeah he is awesome um and just getting back to rocco baldelli real quick if you want to be like gabe kapler you've got to do like 500 push-ups a day because that guy (laughs) is jacked you've got to work like a gabe kapler (laughs) uh for the ad from two decades ago said somebody out there will remember it it's a deep cut but somebody will remember (laughs) You know me, I've, I've got to look it up. For the Astros, Ryan Presley should be the guy. They signed Hector Neris this offseason. Velocity has been down for Ryan Presley this spring. Something to pay attention to. For the Angels, it is Rysel Iglesias. Uh, for the Oakland A's, it seems like Lou Trevino is the front runner. A couple other names there, AJ Puck, Domingo Acevedo. Zach Jackson is having a strong spring, 11 career saves in the minors. Uh, but Chris, Lou Trevino. I, I think Trevino's confirmed. Again, I'm not Chris, yeah. but I, I think they've they've <laughs> actually you. called him the closer. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get into. I'm with Scott. Nice. I, I appreciate that. For the Mariners, Ken Giles won't throw for a few weeks due to a tendon issue in his middle finger. Uh, last season, after Diego Castillo's arrival, Drew Steckenrider had 11 saves. Paul Sewald had seven, and uh, Diego Castillo had two. Uh, Chris, not the Pirates' second baseman. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, Chris, do you have a lean here for the Mariners? I think eventually Ken Giles, but I think at the start of the season, probably Steckenrider, but I think I would rather just have Seawald just because I think he's a better pitcher and Seawald's the kind of guy that it's just good to have around. You know, I just think he's so good that like I'd rather have him than Steckenrider just in the hope that maybe he gets four saves in April and then Ken Giles comes and my thought is Giles, if he's good enough, will be the closer based on the fact that they gave him the two-year contract when he was not going to pitch in 2021. My guess is that's what they want to do. But, you know, obviously he has to get healthy first. Let's finish up with the Texas Rangers. Apparently Joe Barlow will not see save opportunities. Spencer Patton, Matt Bush, 
Greg Holland, Josh Spores. Those are the it's, names, Scott. It's funny. I, there was there were a couple of updates on our site for spent both Spencer Patton and Greg Holland, who seem like, oh well, if it's not going to be Joe Barlow, it's going to be those guys. I'm trying to remember the guy's name is a Rangers reporter, independent, but with a strong following on Twitter. Uh, he was projecting the bullpen, and he didn't even have Patton and Holland in the bullpen. So if that comes true, then who else could it be but Joe Barlow? I, I still think Barlow, even with you know, even assuming those two do, I, I still think he's the one you want, but not with. Clearly, it's 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 not uh, worth a big investment. I could see Matt Bush, but uh, maybe, not yeah. at all someone to draft. Yeah. Greg Holland, I mean, big pro- prospect pedigree, former number one overall pick, Matt Bush. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Greg Holland, he does have the experience. Obviously, he was not yeah. very, he was not good last year, but he's having a good spring. Five scoreless innings, four hits, one walk, six strikeouts. So, Jeff Wilson is the Rangers reporter. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a it's a team that should be improving in the Texas Rangers. I don't, I don't know how many games they're going to win. It's. It's a messy situation, uh, but would not surprise me if uh, Greg Holland is the one that takes over. We shall see soon enough. We're going to wrap there. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.